Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that is very dark. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Chapter 62, Witness for the Prosecution. This is the episode that just aired on the CW, unless you're on the West Coast, in which case, haha, we're going to spoil you guys. Screw yeah, all of you. Yeah, come on, man. Why That's are you crazy. the West Coast people? I'm just saying they made a choice to live in nice weather, and they're going to have to deal with this. That's Ouch. right. There's a punish. There's a price to be paid. <laughs> As they said on Once Upon a Time, there must always be a price. And the other thing they said on Once Upon a Time is there must always be a recap. So let's do that before we get into the episode, because lots of trains running here that are going on. Uh, one train not running at all is Cheryl and Toadie, not even president oh. at all this episode. I think they're out of the series. I don't know if they're what? in the series. No. Come on, man. No, they'll be back. They'll be back. They were just You're off damn this episode. right they will. Listen, Madeline Petch, Vanessa Morgan, very busy actresses. They have a lot of stuff going on in their life. Plus, on the show, they're very busy with a corpse and a haunted doll in their house, I think. Yeah. yeah. Aren't they characters on Arrow? Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, they're I think from they're Actually, they're trying to prevent the oncoming crisis on Infinite Earths, which is why they couldn't make it for this trial-focused episode. Believable. Nice. It is believable. So forget about them. Don't even worry about them. Uh, meanwhile, lots of stuff going on with other folks. Uh, let's start off with Betty Cooper. Now, there's a lot of stuff you need to know here. Uh, first of all, Betty Cooper is bonding with her half-brother, Charles Smith. Charles Smith is the son of F.P. Jones and Alice Smith. And Betty is the daughter of Alice Smith at the time, Alice Cooper and Hal Cooper. Hal Cooper was the serial killer known 
known as the Black Hood, and he was training her up to be a junior serial killer, but ultimately she rejected that. She rejected the darkness that was inside of her. However, very late in season three, thanks to some shenanigans via the farm and evil cult. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. It was some serious shenanigans. I think we can all agree on that. That's what you call crimes, right? Yeah, shenanigans. Uh, like a, you read the shenanigan blotter in the paper, right? Yeah, and you're going to jail for several uh, felony shenanigans. <laughs> yes, I am. And tax shenanigans. High shenanigans and misdemeanors is what they say. <laughs> Uh, so Betty found out that she had something called the serial killer gene, which, as we talked about on the podcast back at the time, sort of a real thing. Not exactly the way that it's uh, treated here in Riverdale, but that's fine. Uh, but she has a serial killer gene that may or may not cause her to be a serial killer or be the darkness that's inside of her or something like that. Uh, we also found out via a hallucination caused by the farm that she may or may not have killed her cat Caramel <laughs> back in the day. Bless you, Pete. Sorry, oh, I you're allergic cat. to talking about cats, right? Yeah, he is. I'm actually yeah. allergic to cats, but Pete just talking about them. Yep. So uh, that's one thing that's going on with Betty. Uh, the other thing that's going on with Betty that just mildly to mention is she is rebonded with her friend Kevin Keller. Kevin was part of the Cult of Farm. That doesn't really play in this episode, but Kevin's been searching for his new place, and the start of that is becoming friends with Betty once again. Becoming so a junior FBI agent who was recently in a cult. Yes. Well, you're jumping ahead a little yeah, bit. Yeah, don't jump ahead. That's yeah, a little bit of recap, recap time. <laughs> uh, over on the Veronica side of the fence, she has a lot of trouble with both of her parents. To be perfectly honest, the continuity of this is almost too complicated to explain in a recap. But the things you need to know are that Hiram Lodge, her father, is in jail for, uh, I guess, I don't know, tax evasion, money crimes. Uh, money, he like a, a I guess not money. blackmailing, uh, extortion. Just he was lying on his taxes, I guess. Right, and what they did was cooking they, the books. Well, but he books. wasn't cooking the books. It was actually Veronica who was cooking the books, and then Got they it. put it on Hiram working with the FBI, and that's how they put him away. Uh, Hermione, meanwhile, her mother is also in jail because Hiram pinned a murder on her. However, it's not the murder she did commit. However, she did commit several other murders. Yeah, FYI. As you do. And was uh, trying to Mary, kill Hiram. What? And was trying to kill Hiram. Yes, and she was trying to kill Hiram. So um, very nice family dynamics across the board. Uh, also, Mary Andrews, Archie Andrews' father, uh, mother, excuse me, is a lawyer in the town of Riverdale. That's pretty much all you need to know about that. That's Veronica. Archie Andrews, meanwhile, is running a community center with formerly known as Mad Dog, now known as uh, Monroe Mason, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Monroe Mason. Uh, their community center is in the bad part of town, and they've clashed a couple of times with a criminal right. named Dodger who works out of a the evilest place I can think of, which is a video game arcade. Uh, uh, and Dodger has been recruiting the youth. He's been bringing them into his web and having them do his dirty work for him. Archie beat the shit out of him a couple of episodes ago. And threatened him in the previous episode. Uh, Archie also has been occasionally dressing like a vigilante or a superhero. Uh, so, you know, classic CW stuff. All good yeah, there. As mm. you do. No yes. questions. No, no, no questions, questions about this. 
Uh, and then there's Jughead. Jughead has a complicated little storyline going on. He's been accepted into a elite prep school called Stonewall Prep. Uh, as he found out, he was not the first Jones family member to go there. His grandfather, Forsyth Pendleton Jones the first actually went uh, to Stonewall Prep very briefly as well. The only other things we know about the grandfather are that F.P. Jones, who is now the sheriff of the town, uh, was, according to him, beaten by his father. His father was a drunk. His father was no account. And his father, as far as we knew, was dead. Uh, but it seems like that's not actually the case. Um, and he abandoned ooh. He abandoned him. Yes. Yep. Which is why uh, he maybe turned toward the, the serpent's life. Yes. Well, as far as we knew in the Midnight Club episode, F.B. Jones turned toward the serpent life uh, because he what what happened? Oh, uh, Alice Alice rejected him. Alice rejected him uh, because she had a baby by him. And that which turned out to be Charles Smith. Uh, and to get uh, stability, she stayed with Hal Cooper, who was a serial Alex, killer. You're getting lost. You're spiraling in the, in the continuity. <laughs> um, we've reached the point of the season, which is five episodes in where I'm starting to feel like a crazy person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jughead is going to Stonewall Prep. There's a couple of students there. The important ones you need to know about are Donna Sweet, who seems relatively friendly. She was hooking up with Moose Mason, who was also going there, up until Moose very suddenly disappeared at the end of the last episode. The other one is Brett Weston Wallace, who is a severe antagonist for Jughead. They just don't like each other at all. They don't agree on literature. They don't agree on writing. Brett is very preppy and very into the prep school life. He is a diplo brat or diplo brett if you prefer and mm. he uh has been taking it to jughead pretty much non-stop even though they're roomies uh last character you probably need to know at stonewall prep is mr chipping who is their teacher played by sam whitwer uh so far he hasn't exactly been evil or anything like that he's just been a very allowing english teacher with a small salon of students bit of a goof at, at a goof and just a fun no. goof. That's probably... No, he's a sketchy dude. He's a sketchatron. He is not a sketchy dude. He's not a sketchy he, dude. He's yet. a sketchatron. Like he's a scantron? A he's a straight up sketchatron, man. Oh, yeah. I, sketchy robot. Yeah. yeah. He might a, be a scantron. I will say he did have all of his bubbles filled in, and they ran him through that machine this episode. You might find him on Sketch Alley, which obviously is the worst place in town. Oh, yes. Yeah. Different than Crime Alley. Don't don't get them mixed up. Very different. So that's the recap. I'm sure there's more things that will come up. But do we want to jump into it? And Please, actually, let's. What? Please, let's already get going. Well, the only other thing that I was going to say is uh, because we are actually taping it this uh, after the episode, we got a bunch of tweets and questions and things from folks online that we'll read at the end here. So we'll get to those at the end. But for now, nice. let's jump into the episode. Let's talk about it. What is going on, Justin? Archie is a crime fighter. Hell a yeah. legit crime fighter. He fights crime in Sketch Alley, a very on-the-nose named alley. He confronts mm-hmm. a very old thief who hobbles away after he steals, <laughs> tries to steal yeah. a woman's purse. And Archie gets sprayed in the eyes. Maced. Yeah. Maced. I actually, I enjoyed this moment. I don't know how I feel about Why? it. What? Why did I enjoyed you enjoy watching Archie get maced? Really? I thought that, yeah, I thought that was a fun beat at the end there, you know? Yeah. I just felt like, why would you mace the guy who helped you out? He's wearing a mask. 
He's sketchy, dude. Uh, yeah, You're in I don't sketch care. Alley. It's, it bothers me the same thing when, like, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, the person who saved you, regardless of how they look or what they're doing or what they're wearing, why would you just assume that they're bad after they helped you? But if a giant turtle saves me from being robbed, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be scared a little bit. Yeah, yeah. dude. You got to give them a, a pound want? and keep it moving. You, you give them a fist pound? Yeah. Wow, that's confident. If a giant talking turtle walked up to you, Pete, you just give it a fist bump, no questions asked? Yeah, I'd be like, my dude. <laughs> wow. That, Even if he was like, Cowabunga, I'm from the 90s. <laughs> I'm eating pizza. I love pizza. <laughs> Put some pizza uh, in the sewer and I'll eat it. I'd be like, point me to the ooze, man. I want to join you in your mutant form. Oh, okay. So your thing is you, don't, you wouldn't just be fine with the turtle. You'd be like, make me into a turtle. Hell yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, great. This is great. I'm glad we, <laughs> we Great sidebar this. into <laughs> Pete's madness. Yes. Uh, I, I'm a little 50-50 about uh, Archie wanting to be a superhero. I feel like there's a lot of superhero stuff on the CW already, and I don't know if we necessarily need to see him. Yeah, but it's, a, it's an evolution. I mean, he was in a gang for a while, and then like, okay, that didn't work out, so... All right, uh, you know, then there was a black hood running around doing stuff. So he's going to wear a mask and fight crime. I think it's a natural evolution. Wow. You're uh, going to be a great dad. Yes. <laughs> uh, do we want to just talk? Everyone's storyline is wildly yes. walled off from each other. So let's, let's just talk Archie uh, for as long as it'll last. Okay. Uh, because he is mostly just fighting crime and saving the day. Archie oh, yeah. and Mad Dog are uh, painting uh, some uh, graffiti on the th- on the side of their building. No, and they're it- cleaning. They're cleaning up. That's they're painting over the graffiti. I know. That's what I mean. They're painting over oh. the graffiti. Yeah, but kind of. If like you put paint over graffiti, you're doing graffiti of your own. Oh wow! Oh wow! What a great great way to think of it. Yeah, man, it's like art graffiti. That's it's what like- I do. I buy a very expensive art and I just paint it um, blank. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping to do with the Mona Lisa when they sell it to me cheap. Oh, yeah. my God. Are you talking about like four ninety nine cheap? Because that's the price of a comic book in Riverdale. <laughs> I did appreciate... Holding the line of four ninety nine. Well, I, I appreciated that because I thought when they, like at the beginning of that sentence, granted they got through the sentence pretty quickly, but they were like, he didn't pay for this comic book. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to be like, this comic book cost 99 cents, which is ridiculous in this day and age. But no, it cost a uh, over-the-top but appropriate four ninety nine. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's just funny. You never hear people really talk about how much things cost on TV. Yes. So it was weird that they made a point to be like $4.99, please. It was pointed. It was Riverdale taking it to the source material in Archie Comics and being like, lower your prices, bros, because you're, yeah. you're, you're pricing out the people who want to get into your comics. Exactly. Good thing, right? because TV's free. Also, yeah. I'm sick of comic book shops in this town being like very douchey, like that's where the drugs are, and then the owner of this comic book shop is a super douche. I mean, it's it's upsetting. I think, well, I think that uh, this guy ran like a store, and the kid yeah, was, it was like, like a, it was on a spinner rack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. So he was running a store in the 1980s, but charging 2019 prices. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and the kid that uh, st- was stealing the comic um, uh, hangs out at the gym. And Archie pays for the comic and gets him back in, in good graces with a local yeah. businessman. 
Now, wouldn't you, after you paid for a dude's comic, be like, yo, can I read that first? (laughs) So you would take the comic from the kid and be like, this is, I get first dibs. Yeah, because I just paid for it, so I want to read it first, and I'll give it to you afterwards, kid. That seems like crazy behavior, but I will mention there was one time when I saw Pete buy a lollipop for a kid and then unwrap the lollipop and lick it three times first and be like... There you Pete go, tax. Kid. Now this is yours. The Pete yeah. tax. Yeah. I want it's the like first three licks, and I want the bubble gum in the center <laughs> when you finish. Yeah. Pete tried to do the owl thing, but he broke most of his teeth. Yeah. One, two, three. Oh, God, my teeth. Uh, so cut to later. Archie is um, back out on the streets. He's mm-hmm. got a cool, gravelly voice, which is a cool way to talk, as I've oh, yeah. been uh, yeah. giving you an example You're going to wear a mask and be a, a you got to change your voice. Everybody knows that. That's why I'm doing this whole podcast in Archie voice. Nice. I, I will say, again, even though I'm very 50-50 on the Vigilante storyline, because I could just see this going into him. I don't know. I've watched too many super, CW superhero shows where it's like, I'm the Vigilante. Nope. Now I'm the Green Vigilante. Now I'm the Green Hood. Now, I'm specifically talking about Arrow in this case. I know you are, you fucking dick. But I'm saying, like, there's going to be this whole evolution here. But I do appreciate the fact that he went from (laughs) super stupid being like, nobody will recognize me with my shock of red hair poking out the top to actually wearing a mask and disguising his voice very quickly. Yeah, Surprisingly smart for Archie. Well, and I don't know... Because it's not like he's going to be a super. This is going to become a superhero show. Archie's going to be fighting crime. He's going to, I imagine, get caught or get hurt. He almost gets shot by this kid. Um, yeah, who good we thing he's got great reflexes. It's the kid. Yeah, he does. This is the kid that he bought the comic book for and saved, and he's working for Dodger, the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How about well, that, man? You buy a kid a comic book, and then he pulls a gun on you. I mean, what kind of world is this? I guess that comic book didn't solve the entrenched problems that this kid is dealing with. <laughs> well, it's too bad. He probably uh, didn't read it. So they lay down the law in the community center later. They say, you're either with us or with Dodger, essentially. And then the kids are like, dudes, you're seniors in high school. What are you going to do when you graduate? And Archie's yeah. like, oh, that's months from now at the end of the season. What are you talking about? Which is <laughs> classic Archie. Yeah. Also, how the fuck can Archie graduate? There's no way that guy graduates high school. Yeah. Wow. He's That's been, what he he's been to like two classes this whole time. When they said, you guys are senior, you're going to graduate, he should have been like, hey, there's no way I'm going to graduate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to die in high school. <laughs> uh, but they do bring up valid points, which is like if you're going to open up a community center in the bad part of town and only have it open three hours a week or something, not much of a community center. Uh, so Archie does what he has to do, which is he calls in the Associated Press of Riverdale. Oh, my God. Is, so many outlets. I this. So he has a gonna... threatening uh, press conference. I mean, he was not nice <laughs> at all. I mean, he was really mean to every local business. 
I I love this press conference because he lays out what they're going to do. They're going to start a, and Reggie is there, just kind of standing on the side, being like, "Yeah, I'm not going to say anything, but I agree with all of this." Uh, they're starting a brothers and sisters program with the Bulldogs and the Vixens, which I thought was a very cool idea. Yeah, they're keep it open until eleven. Keep it open on Sundays. They appeal to the local businesses and say, "Hey, join us, help us out." Uh, or else, and then, and then he, yeah, then he ends it being like. Or, but I'm not going to stop because I'm Archie Andrews and I'm going to come for all of you. You better fucking yeah. watch out, you sons my of bitches. My mom's a You're lawyer all and I'm be a fucking psychopath. But my actual favorite thing about this scene, which also came back later on during the Veronica storyline, is a professional news reporter, Alice Smith, which yes. is the funniest thing to me. Like, I normally I hate fake reporters on TV shows because... It's so over the top, not accurate at all. Like you look at Karen Page on Daredevil, who's like, well, I've written, never written a news story. Give me the front page in your office. And they're like, whatever yeah. you want, Karen Page. Here, I'm completely fine with Alice Smith, clearly having no idea how to be a news reporter, but being 100% confident in it at the same time, standing yeah. on the sidelines, holding a microphone and just looking at the other news reporters being like, yeah, that's right. You hear what Archie's saying? That's yeah. right. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. This is news, and I'm reporting on it. <laughs> yeah, and she's holding the mic to catch what Archie's saying from, like, a football field length away from him. Yeah. And I guarantee you, if you trace that mic cord back, it's not connected to anything. Oh, I don't, yeah. What come camera on. is she working from? I'm um, not sure. I think she's very proud of Archie in this moment because she knows that Archie will be her future son-in-law and she respects no, that he is you're able to open on. this business. Also, how can we not have a truth. scene with Betty and Alice after they've like, she's just back and reporting, not like, hey, Betty, how you doing? <laughs> just- I... I don't know. There was something about this episode, which I liked a lot, by the way. I thought all of the storylines were very fun. I overall enjoyed this episode, but it felt like the sort of thing with production schedules where they were like, all right, we got uh, KJ Abba for this these days. We got Camilla Mendes for these days. Let's essentially film four different shows and figure out how it all fits together, which I think they did pretty smartly. Uh, But like you said at the beginning, Justin, it was definitely like, here's the actors who are available for this plot line and let's put them in here. That, that was well, my impression. But also you couldn't get one Vixen to stand where it was like, yeah, the <sighs> river Vixens and then Reggie. And he was like, bad boys for life. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> it was weird that he said bad boys for life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, maybe that's true about the production uh, schedule, as you're saying, but I also think, like, I don't mind having them on separate adventures. I think totally. part of this season is that they are going to be going their own way a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. You know, they're seniors, and afterwards, everything's going to change. Exactly. Well, I Romances think if anything, are over. All right. <laughs> I think, if Stop. anything, what they're doing right now is they have everybody going away a little bit in the middle here, but they're going to bring them together for the midseason finale going into episode nine. So yeah. we're giving them a chance to follow their own paths. Again, I like this episode and I thought it was fine. Uh, it just me seemed too. to me there, I, there I, could have been a little more crossover, which we've nicely gotten the last couple of episodes. They felt a little, a little more cohesive than this, I would say. Now, speaking of like episodes and then finales and all that kind of stuff, Zalps, do you know when the musical up is? Or 
No, they haven't had any announcements about that. That's going to be sometime next year in 2020 in the second half of the season. It's usually oh. towards the end of the season-ish. Yeah. Uh, there was a very clearly Photoshop thing that was passed around the other day with a cast list from Mean Girls, the musical. And they're like, here it is. This is it. And I was like, they haven't even filmed it. They're on the 11th episode right now. They're not going to just suddenly distribute this thing. So if you did see that thing, not falling for it. He's not yeah, falling. I'm not, not falling. taking the bait. Alex knows I the only production fell schedule. for it for like five to ten minutes before I didn't fall for it. Let's be honest. And you, nice. and that was after you retweeted it. <laughs> after I retweeted it, I tweeted it originally. I said confirmed. <laughs> tweeted it through my fan accounts. Put it on my Tumblr. Then I had to go back and delete all the stuff. Oh man, God, what yeah. a life you have! Yeah, what a, what a life. Wish I, I had to, a job. Yeah, someday, <laughs> someday. Uh, to close out Archie's story, um, he you mean that, Captain Abs? Yeah, Captain yeah. Abs. Yeah, uh, yeah, Doctor. Can I Dr. can Abs. I make a suggestion? How about yes. a super senior? Oh, nice. That's Thanks. good because he's going to be back for year five. Absolutely. You want to uh, close out his storyline, though, Justin? Uh, yeah. So he, um, the he, one of the oh. small business owners, uh, reveals to Archie that the Dodger has been running a, a protection racket scam. Archie confronts Dodger on the street, threatens him, and then Batman's the fuck out of there. Yeah, I again very impressed that he figured out not just the mask and the gravelly voice, but also the Batman disappearance all oh. in one episode. Also, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. How do you feel about another adult being totally obsessed with Archie? I'm down. <laughs> I'm here for it. I mean, Archie's the hero that this uh, little town with Pep needs. No, it's, he's deserves. the hero that Sketch Alley needs. He's the hero that just Sketch Alley needs, but not the mm. one that it uh, needs right now. <laughs> it's mm. a good thing we've never uh, read any comics or seen any comic book movies. Yeah, yeah it's a good <laughs> thing, too. Uh, so that's Archie's storyline. Should we move on to Veronica's, perhaps? Yeah, let's talk Ronnie. Uh, yeah. So uh, Veronica, it's her uh, mom's big court day is here, and she is very involved, wants to get her mom off from the crime, as opposed to her father, who she wants to go down hard. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we start this storyline with um, Pop is uh, being oh, uh, subpoenaed. Oh, poor Pops. I know. <laughs> to be a witness and... I, Pop's not ready for this kind of. He's not ready to do, <laughs> yeah. for perjury. Yeah. The only thing, if there's one thing I've learned about modern society, it's there are no repercussions for refusing a subpoena. So I don't even know why they followed through on this. That's yeah. great. That's very politically Thanks. relevant. But Thanks, I'll tell you man. what, Pop doesn't have the uh, backing of the Riverdale <laughs> uh, political machine that you Ooh. might think. Um, Pop doesn't. He he's in trouble. So Veronica, rather than risk losing her. Upstairs business neighbor uh, <laughs> talks to Hiram and um, is like, come on, don't take down Pop. He's yeah, a milkshake come on, guy. Pops. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hiram is there uh, basically hulking out of his prison uniform. Yeah. That looking was, super jacked and super. Oh, tanned. my God. He Marcus Willis has gotten so big this season, like much yeah. bigger than usual. Mark um, Consuelan. You know what I'm talking about? Ooh. That's pretty good. Did you like it, how his. Uh, He's the only uh, jail. It's like his his uh, what is it? Jumper, I guess. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's like a zero, zero one. It's definitely not a jumper. Onesie. His onesie. Yeah, it's his onesie. He's the only person in that jail because it's zero zero one. 
He's just the first prisoner, and he's it's a private one. prison. So he's the only prisoner. Now, can I mention, so uh, you guys know my day job, I cover entertainment and I write about Riverdale quite a bit. Uh, I know Wait, I you just be- said you don't have a job. I'm confused. I'm lying all the time on this podcast oh about God. almost anything, but this is a true fact. Uh, I tried to find out after the episode where he just showed up in uh, Veronica's house. Yeah. I actually ended up, and they never got back to me, which I guess I should have been surprised about, but I wrote several private prisons to find out whether somebody who owned their private prison could uh, just a be incarcerated there and b walk out whatever they want, and what? again, like I just said to a bunch of media folks who own private prisons, they never got back to me. Really? So if you are listening to this podcast and you own a private prison, I would love to talk to you. Uh, that's a great call. I'm sure a lot of those people are ready to answer your... We, they must get so many question, Riverdale-based questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a private prison system. Yeah. Uh, in my head, when I was sending, typing out and sending the email and hitting send, I was like, well, this is stupid. This is very stupid. This is a stupid waste of my time that I'm doing. But uh, I mean, I hate to say it, Alex, but you sound a lot like how Alice Smith reports the story. Oh. Mm. That's the thing. Maybe I'm making fun of her because I identify with her. Ooh. 100%. You're yeah. just in a, a sweet powder blue pantsuit waving your mic in the right direction. Oh, I yeah. wish. I wish I looked as good as her in my powder blue plaid suit. Uh, so anyway, back to Veronica, she is talking to Hiram, Hiram, of course, with his jacked arms, shuts her down. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, but she ends up making some moves anyway. There's a bunch of trial scenes that happen throughout here. I gotta be honest, like I've watched a lot of Riverdale. It was a little hard to keep track of exactly what was going on with everybody because it touched on so many plot points across the seasons. Did we know that Tallboy's last name was Petite? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's I crazy. I don't know that they ever said it out loud. But I thought that, definitely that was is such his a, name. like, what a funny of thing. Of course like, it is. Are you talking about Tallboy Petite? Tallboy tall Grande? Or Tallboy Short? Uh, yeah, Tallboy Shorty. Tallboy Venti. That was a wild, wild little moment up top for me. Yeah, so F.P. Jones uh, admits that he, in fact, killed Tallboy... Uh, then we find out that the cabin, I believe this is a cabin that Hermione was staying in where Sheriff Mineta was found dead, was owned by Hermione Lodge. Of note, F.P. Jones several times in this episode wears his glasses, which I really appreciated as a glasses wearer myself. I feel like what a great connection for you. It is. Whether it's a pantsuit on Alice Cooper or glasses on F.P. Jones, I really feel like I can identify with the characters on the show. Or the abs on Archie, of course, but that goes without saying. Yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, So Hermione seems to be going down the river. The the FBI agent who Veronica... She's going down the river? Up the river? I think it's up the river. I always thought it was down the river because down the river is like going to hell. Yeah, but down the river is easier. Up the river is like a battle and it's like harder. That's why it's like jail. Now, you're going down the river. It's a fun whitewater rafting trip. Yeah. <laughs> with your best friends. Oh, okay. But up the river is like you're a salmon. Exactly. And salmon swim up the river to go to jail. Yep. Oh, yeah. Salmon jail. Unless a bear eats you along the way. Because that's what right. spawning and having children is a lifelong jail. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> like things are going good for you, Justin. <laughs> just ask the characters of Riverdale. 
like uh, Grandpa Forsyth. Right, right, uh, right, 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 right. So in this courtroom scene, we have this mysterious red-dressed woman in the back. I thought when the pan-up started, I was like, please be Cheryl, and it wasn't. Nope. Uh, she, I, immediately, I was like, this is an evil Veronica. Yeah, down to she's wearing the pearls and everything. And this yeah. is played by Michelle Prada, who was on the show Vita, uh, who apparently, or Bermuda Sakasa, who's the showrunner of Riverdale, loved her work, wanted to figure out a way of having her on. And ultimately, they came up with this role and figured out this would be great. Uh, we get some touches of it in here, but uh, we're going to find out that she lives in Miami, but she's also a club owner in Miami. So she's basically mm. like a dark, more driven Veronica Ooh. to a T. So she runs like a um, a high school yeah, cocaine did, club in Miami. But yeah. did she set a dude on fire, though, is my question. Because uh, she that's runs some a dark cl- shit. Uh, no, she set a guy on ice because oh, she's the opposite yeah. of Veronica. And she runs a club called Le Mal... Du jour. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. That Let's was definitely painful get the translation through, on that. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, but <laughs> she, she shows up. Uh, she immediately messes things up in the background. Uh, they come up with a plan to once again blackmail the governor of the Sweet Maple State, I think we found out it's called. Poor that they're in a couple Dooley. Of, poor yeah. Governor Dooley. Yeah. Uh, so, Veronica blackmails him again. Uh, and it's like, I this love is the last. Upset he was and how happy Veronica was. That was really fun. Also, I have a question about blackmail. You guys have blackmailed people before. Yes, I blackmailed Pete. Yeah. When she says, don't worry, I'll never blackmail you again. You can have it in writing. What what does that mean? Uh, That means uh, it's not good. Right. You don't want to write down that you did a blackmail. Yeah. And also, if you say you're not going to blackmail somebody again, you can't take them at the word because they're willing to blackmail people. Right. Yeah. He, this is already the um, uh, multiple times he's yeah. she's been she's blackmailed him. So, um, I mean, you might as well say I'll pinky swear, you know. Right. Uh, but. Of course, uh, Michelle Prada's character, it turns out, is bugging her. We don't know that yet and reveals the evidence. So Hermione is forced to plead guilty and Hiram, as a result, ends up going free. Uh, We find out then that uh, this woman, in fact, is Hermosa Lodge, the daughter of Hiram Lodge. And she takes it right to Veronica and Le Bon Nui. Uh, and then later is teamed up with Hiram walking out. This is where we get the second absolutely amazing Alice Smith reporter scene that made me laugh oh, out loud. Yeah. This oh was God. good. I love this so much. So Alice Smith prepared with her question, goes up to Hiram and says, Hiram, now that you're free, are you, you going leave? to be leaving? And she says... At that point, he interrupts and is basically like, this is my daughter that you've never heard about before. And she's like, great, Riverdale. No further questions about the daughter thing. And he's like, <laughs> I'm running for mayor. And then she's like, everybody else, just quiet down. <laughs> it, yeah. Incredible. Well, but I also it's, like even better, she, it's even better than that because she goes like, and Hiram, this is your 
meaning daughter or girlfriend, new younger girlfriend. And he's like, daughter, daughter. I thought that was a good, uh, very funny moment. The whole thing was great because she's like, no further questions. I have no follow-ups whatsoever about any of this stuff. Let's just keep going. But I also liked how she looked at the camera guy to be like, are you getting this? <laughs> All good reporters look right at the camera and are like, ga 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 goo. <laughs> Walter Cronkite invented that. Honestly, though, how much time are they going to have on the news once they've filled it up with the Archie threatens the entire town broadcast? I don't even think they're going to have time for the whole Hiram Lodge trial thing. That's true. Well, and uh, they should start taking be mayor, ad, so rather than fingerprints, ab prints, because mm. that's the only way you're going to catch an Archie. Hmm. It takes an Archie to catch an Archie. That's what I've always said. Yeah. So that's Veronica's storyline, I think, wrapped up at that point. We're certainly going to let us. I was a little disappointed in Veronica for when you revealed like, hey, I'm the other daughter that she wasn't immediately like, "Okay, cool. So we both can agree our dad is a psychopath and like talk to him, talk to her about like, no way you think our dad is okay." Like, uh, who knows what you know, but here, let me just fill you in on the crazy shit he's been doing to me. But I think the point of her character is she knows all the bad shit and she's there for it. She is yeah. like, she's the daughter that Hiram wanted Veronica to be. And it's the, he had a backup, Hermosa, who is ready to do all the bad, bad shit that Veronica wouldn't do. Yeah, but if she's at all related, uh, like having an insane father, you I mean, there's got to be some kind of, like, dirt, or there's got to be some kind of, like, you got to... I, I felt like they could have bonded a little bit, or at least she could have tried. I was just... I was a little surprised she was just kind of frozen after she was like, oh, yeah, I'm the other daughter, and I'm rock and pearl, so, like, suck it. Well, we'll definitely see what the relationship is going forward, because Hermosa is here to stay in Riverdale, at least for the foreseeable future. Who's going to run our cocaine club? Um, great question. Pitbull. Pro- <laughs> Pitbull. <laughs> Mr. 405. Yep. And now we're talking. Oh, yeah. boy. Uh, should we let's do Betty? Over, yeah, let's talk about Betty next. Oh, yeah. man. So uh, she's oh. doing junior FBI school with Oof. Kevin. Um, yes. Which, Who's, by the way, I like having them as friends again. I think that's great. Yes. I yes, also appreciate that Kevin's options were go to FBI school or go cruising in bathrooms again. Yeah. 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 So uh, just I like everybody. Chose. Yeah. Yes, also, she was like, hey, uh, I know you were brainwashed by the farm, but do you want to join the junior FBI program? Like, oh, my God. He went from one farm to the other. Everybody. What? Wait. Sorry. What? Hold up. What is your thing with the FBI, Pete? Well, oh, I just feel like it's like. Doesn't, Pete join- doesn't trust him. Yeah, this club was not, you know, turned out not good, but joined this totally legit FBI program run by my psycho brother. It's the same thing. Ever Can since I... they ne- ever since they didn't release the X-Files, Pete's hated the FBI. <laughs> mm. I thought it was maybe when he found out they weren't, in fact, the female body inspectors. Uh, yeah, oh, he, he doesn't know that yet, Alex. Jeez. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll, uh, Pete, edit out that part in your brain when we 
when we post the episode. Uh, I, I think they're on the level right now. I don't know. We could talk about impressions afterwards because oh. there's a lot of information that comes out here. But they do join the junior FBI program, which basically there's no basic training here. You just start showing people serial killer pictures yep. and see what happens. Uh, and yep. Betty actually has a superpower. Archie's superpower is just to bash people over the head. But Betty's superpower is she can identify serial killers just on sight. Yeah. Uh, And she starts to think, oh, no, maybe this is because of the serial killer gene that I have because game recognized game. Now, I want to ask you guys, because it was like she was looking at the pictures and then I thought, okay, when she's looking at it, there's going to be some kind of like image or some kind of way that she's seeing them different from the others. But they didn't show that at all. It was just <laughs> their picture. And then she was just like the one in the middle. Uh, the You're one saying right. like you wanted to see Betty Vision. I want to see Betty Vision. Like what is she seeing that we're not seeing? Because all three of those people look like serial killers every single time. Oh, CP, and- I have the serial killer gene just like Betty. So I oh. knew exactly who it was too. And also... If any of us is going to have the serial killer gene, fuck you. It would be me. Wow. <laughs> what a weird brag. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry you have serial killer gene envy, Pete. Yeah. Uh, Maybe someday. Shame. Maybe when you're older, you'll grow up to be a serial killer. Ooh, I hope. I mean, so, you can work hard and maybe just, like, become a serial killer. But uh, people like B- Betty and I, it's just natural. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So then they also, after they go through the serial killer quiz and she starts to get a little nervous, uh, they do talk about the serial killer gene. She gets scared about that. Uh, And then they have the second lesson, which is, uh, I believe the second lesson is she finds out that uh, serial killers often kill pets. And she's like, oh, God, I think maybe I killed my cat Caramel. She ends up going to the doctor and getting herself checked out. Very quick test. You just got to go and give some blood. And they're like, yes, you are, in fact, a serial killer. Uh, She walks out. Kevin says, how's it it going? And she's like, I'm not a serial killer. Uh, So uh, already some serial killer-esque lies going on there. But but she came clean to Kevin later, which I was happy about. Because if they're going to restart this relationship, I'm glad that she was like, we got to do this right. And uh yeah, I think it I think it was nice of her that she came clean once she was like kind of freaking out about it. Maybe she's born with it or maybe it's serial killer gene. <laughs> well done, sir. Excellent. I was a little heartbroken though that Betty was kind of getting brainwashed by her evil brother um who is clearly making this fake junior FBI school all about flushing her out to be like I have the gene, I fit all of these things. And well, yeah, just I because it, you put a cat out of its misery after it got hit by a car doesn't mean you're a serial killer. On her dad's uh, sort of urging. Right. Um, as Regardless, even if her dad wasn't there, I think that that cat was in pain and like, you know. And so was, you bash its head with a rock until it dies? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. All right. I No further questions. Uh, so I th- the, this season <laughs> is about the death of Caramel. <laughs> We're going to find out what really happened here. Who was the driver? Who was the driver? Who was the driver? It was some kid who, you know, just, you know, borrowed his dad's car 
Oh, now you're getting too Oh, dark. you think it was that, the same kid dark. that that's killed Archie's dad? No, yeah. no, no. Let's not. That's no, we're not going to go. Nope, nope. I'm wow. just going to shut that well, now one that's down. That's a conspiracy theory, Pete. It was the yeah. dad that Archie confronts. Oh, God. <laughs> this is generational. Oh, too real. Too real. Uh, so she does have this dream where she sees herself killing Caramel. Uh, her dad... And it's the voice of Lachlan Monroe. I don't know if it was his body necessarily, though I believe he was on set, uh, is there. He's like, yes, you got to put this cat out of his misery. You got to kill it. When she does talk to Kevin later, he's like, no, that was your father. That was not you doing that. He was forcing you to do that. You're a kid. He did the wrong thing. Uh, And then ultimately... She goes up to Charles and says, I'm leaving because of this reason. I don't think I'm right for the FBI. And he said he admits he says, hey, actually, I have the serial killer gene, too. That's why I joined the FBI, because I have this darkness in me and I wanted to find an outlet for it, a way to get away from it. Uh, And then ultimately, Betty gets very excited about that because she's like, Wait a second. I think he's a serial killer. He just goes to cops and the FBI and that's it. What is he doing all day? I'm going to start tracking him down and following him. Finally, she's suspicious of this fucking guy. Finally. I have a question about genes and both of you are genetic scientists. Geneticists. Geneticists, if you will. Uh, So they played uh, Dr. Zalbin on Lock and Key. Yes. So they both have this serial killer gene, which again, not exactly a real thing, but they both have the serial killer gene. As far as we know, Charles's parents are Alice and FP and Betty's parents are Alice and Hal, but Hal is the serial killer. And the implication was that the serial killer gene was passed down from Hal to Betty how is this possible unless it's actually Alice passing down the serial killer genes, which potentially would imply that maybe Hal is not <laughs> Betty's father? Yeah. Is that too or much? The uh, so-called brother is just a psychopath completely lying to her about uh, everything. This is a good, uh, good thought, Alex. Um, I think there, there are two possibilities. Um, it could mean it depends on how the gene works because technically if the serial killer gene is like a recessive gene, then it would need to come from both parents um, and a dominant gene could wipe it out. So that would mean that uh, Hal, Alice, and also FP as the father of Charles would have have to have that gene in them and would pass it on to both of the children. I... It's. I did a little bit of research on it, but because they're not actually using it in the real way, it's not necessarily one of those genes that's passed down only through the mother or only through the father. Uh, and I don't think, again, in real life, it is recessive or dominant necessarily. It's just something, it's a marker that's basically on your genes and that's it. Um, right. But again, it's Riverdale. They're going to use it however they want to use it and explain it however they want to use it. But it is weird that they're saying both of them have it when their only connection is their mother, not their father. I agree. Is that Since Hal is the serial killer, I think, uh, I think that could point to maybe FP having it as well. And maybe that will be a reveal down the line. Right. I also, uh, I, you know, Alice could definitely be a serial killer. <laughs> I mean, she's a great reporter, and really, what's the difference? But <laughs> I actually think the 
probably the more likely thing is that Charles is lying to Betty. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's gaslighting her this whole episode. I think this whole thing was a setup to push her towards some sort of edge. And uh, well, where did you get that great idea from? Are you talking? You think I got it from you? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, I literally just said that a couple minutes ago. I have a, a gene where I'm immune to your rants. Oh, okay. That makes sense. It's like a reverse Pete gene. So that's the Betty storyline. Should we move on to the Jughead storyline? Because that, to me, is the big one in the episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, we Moose is vanished, but um, we hear that he's fine, yep. actually, which definitely feels like a lie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The question in my mind, though, is who is lying? I don't know if Donna is lying about getting texts from him, if it's the uh, not Stonewall 4. uh, uh, Stonewall 4 is four people that disappeared back in the day, uh, but these four other students who are with Jughead, if they're all working together to pull one over on him, or if somebody else has stolen Moose's phone and is still texting Donna, I think any of those possibilities are open right now. Yeah, I think it's a larger conspiracy, and um, Donna is being fooled. That's the cover story for Moose, um, for whatever he's actually doing. Right. Do you think Moose is in on it, though? Because I feel like Moose is probably somewhere against as well. Yeah, that's what I think. I think yeah. he's yeah. trapped somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, so the Yes, Pete. I just think it's it, it kind of interesting that both Betty and Jughead right now are kind of being duped. Um, you know, just, you know, it's strength in numbers. When they're together, they're smarter. But when they're separate, they, you know, they're kind of miss stuff. You buy See, I don't know. Are you saying that they're being duped because they're like foolishly proceeding with this relationship that they know is doomed? Oh, how dare you, sir? No, I'm talking about the fact that Jughead is being duped by these uh, smarty pants kids and uh, the preppies. Yeah, the preppies. And uh, Betty's being duped by this fake FBI member who's a serial killer. Who dupes the dupers? We do. Mm. Ooh, good question. So the main thrust of the storyline, though is uh, Jughead is in the writing, <coughs> excuse me, Salon. Uh, Mr. Chipping very proudly gives out his new book. It is a Baxter Brothers mystery. Uh, and it turns out he is the new writer of the Baxter Brothers mysteries. And Jughead flips out because he loved the Baxter Brothers mysteries. They were the ones that made him want to become a writer. Uh, Brett Weston Wallace, of course, immediately makes fun of him for that. Is like, you like stupid little mysteries. Weird thing to say in front of your teacher who writes them. Yeah. Uh, but and something uh, that Mr. we Chip- find out a minute later, he also wants to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Brett Weston Wallace. Uh, but the teacher, he is the new pseudonym for the writer of Ghost these backs. Ghostwriter of these uh, Baxter He's Brothers the mysteries. Dread Pirate Roberts, if you will. Yes. Uh, well, uh, more specifically, exactly like the actual writer of uh, the Hardy Boys mysteries, which was also a pseudonym. It also has had ghostwriters throughout the years. Oh, I didn't know that. Up. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and in fact, it's like, I don't have it up here right now, but the name that they used is like one or two letters off, of course, from the it's actual Franklin name. Franklin W. Dixon. Yeah, there you go. I read the uh, shit out of those Hardy Boys books. Oh, I love the Hardy Boys. What did you I, think of the Baxter Brothers novels? That looks good. Uh, yeah. I didn't read the old-timey ones, which is what they're modeling on here. I read the sort of 
late eighties versions, which like updated it and made them a little bit more fresh. Oh Did yeah, you read like the they skull fuck a bunch more. What? Yeah, there's more yeah, kissing. Yeah. Oh nice. Frank <laughs> kisses Callie, his girlfriend. Joe now, kisses his girlfriend until she dies. <laughs> oh. Now, I, I will say, not to get too far down a hole here, so they talk about the Baxter Brothers mysteries. Later on, when Betty finds out about them, she says, oh, my God, they used to cross over with Trudy True the entire, all the time, and she loved those books, which is great, except for the fact that they've already established multiple times people have called Betty Nancy Drew in Riverdale. So, like, Nancy Drew exists... In Riverdale, but these Baxter Brothers mysteries are supposed to be like the Hardy Boys mysteries, and Trudy True is supposed to be like Nancy Drew. So both of these things are existing side by side, which is a little weird. Uh, I think maybe they got in trouble for saying Nancy Drew and then had to change it. Well, so I got in trouble before this when I was tweeting... uh, or whoever was tweeting. I don't know who tweets through the Riverdale after account. Mm. Uh, So I said, in the world of Riverdale, there's a series called the Baxter Brothers, which is basically the Hardy Boys, but Betty Cooper has been called Nancy Drew in the series, and also the CW has a Nancy Drew TV series, which is inspired by Riverdale, and then ran out of characters in the tweet. Uh, And then uh, the producer of Nancy Drew immediately tweeted and said, sorry, but Nancy Drew was inspired by Nancy Drew, the books, not by Riverdale, which was inspired by Twin Peaks, which was inspired by the Hardy Boys novels. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So he, uh, to to use a phrase, took me to the woodshed there, I think. Yeah. How do you like your burnt toast? Pretty well. He actually also continued and said, if anything, Nancy Drew visually was inspired by my love for David Fincher's Mindhunter, Gone Girl, and Zodiac, as well as 90s horror classics like I Know What You Did Last Summer. In the pilot, we used the Fly song as an homage to that era. Uh, And I will say... As much as I was like, oh, my God, I feel straight up burnt right now. Uh, I appreciate that because a lot of fans, myself included, looked at that and said, oh, the CW is just trying to do Riverdale again, uh, that they had something very specific and different in mind. Yeah, was that nice cool. to see. Yeah, my, it was cool. Hunter. There you go. So thank you, Larry Tang, producer of Nancy Drew. Appreciate the feedback. Hey, uh, yeah. and Alex. I'd like to thank you as well for burning Alex so hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> suck it, Salvin. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank, thanks, guys. Thanks You're for burnt. having my back. Yeah, yeah. No You'll always have a home here. <laughs> uh, let's keep going with Jughead's storyline, though. So he gets super excited. I love Jughead in this episode. Like I, I think yeah. across the board, just. The way Cole Sprouse has been in this whole storyline has been absolutely delightful. It's fun. He's like very serious at times, brooding, but also very excitable because he actually likes this uh, new lifestyle he has where he feels challenged. And I, uh, I kind of wish he uh, went to town on that uh, Nazi dude for, uh, you know, talking shit to him, beating him with a stapler. That would have been great. Uh, they already established that they have a zero violence policy at Stonewall Prep, so I don't think beating him to death with a stapler would have been the right decision. Yeah, but it's a stapler. I mean, that doesn't count, right? Uh, a ah. stapler is sort of a bully for your papers. Yeah. Damn it. So Jughead, a bunch of stuff going on in the storyline then. Uh, he finds out about the books. He gets very excited, goes home, is looking for his books. FP 
super uncomfortable the entire episode or at yeah, least the first angry. half of the episode. I'm glad we uh, got to the bottom of that. Me too. It would have been weird storytelling if they'd never explained it in any way. <laughs> yeah. uh, instead, it's it turns also, out... Was yes. it weird to you guys when he was like, yeah, my dad was a real asshole to me. It was like, well, how do you think fucking Jughead feels? You've been a dick to him for most of your his life, man. Well, but they've repaired their relationship. They've gotten yeah. better and they've moved beyond that. And Forsyth Pendleton Jones the second and Forsyth Pendleton Jones the first never got to that point because I think we're going to find out uh, Grandpa left because of something awful that was happening in Stonewall Prep, probably having to do with the Baxter Brothers novels, right? Uh, and the Stonewall Four. Yeah, and the Stonewall Four. Uh, I think we're going to see all of that come together. And that creepy principal who's uh, Sketchatron, Mister Chipping. Yep. Um, he's still disagree with you on that. Uh, I think if anything, we're going to find out the dude who is the original writer of the Baxter brothers novels, who shows up here as a special guest to join Mr. Chipping's super darky wine and cheese party to celebrate the release of his child's novel at uh, Stonewall prep. Uh, it seems way creepier than absolutely anybody else. Yeah. And he wants to meet uh, Jughead's dad, which is also super creepy. But I'm going to stick with my initial uh, thing with uh, the principles, the sketches. You know what, though? Like, the reason I disagree with you is because immediately, as soon as Sam Whitmer was cast on the show, I was like, oh, he's an evil dude. He's running an evil thing in Stonewall Prep. That's just how Sam Whitmer works. But the way that he's been playing the character in this uh, episode in particular, he's so dorky about his books. Like, he's so excited about them. He doesn't seem evil in any way, and it doesn't You're seem like he's faking. You're being seduced by his dorkiness. The I'm dork being side. seduced by his the dork side pursed of the lips. Pursed, pursed lips and uh, chiseled cheekbones. Oh wow. That's just seduction. <laughs> right. It is straight-up seduction. That's uh, regular seduction. <laughs> yes. So they announced that there's going to be a contest to find the next ghostwriter of the Baxter Brothers novels. Uh, they're going to have to submit three chapters in an outline. That is how the literary world works. It's how they ended up finding yep. J.K. Rowling for Harry Potter. Uh, and that's a lie. Also, I'm, I'm lying all the time on this podcast. Oh, my God, man. True. It's Alvin. Come on. Sorry, man. Uh, but Jughead gets very excited about that. Brett also is like, I'm also going to do that. Uh, and then they go to the party and at the party, uh, probably the most surprising thing in the history of Riverdale, I would like, say, yeah, they play a game called murder and yeah, the way that you play the game, where there's right. murderers all the time. Like, why would you think that's okay? Well, oh, hold on. Uh, The crazier thing to me is they play a game called murder. The way that you play a game is one person is a murderer. It's very clear that the original writer dude set up Jughead to be the murderer. He's clearly testing him in some way. Uh, But Jughead ends up winning the game, even though Brett cheats. uh, And they go through the whole game. The way that you do it is you go up to somebody, say, I'm the murderer. And then they have to dramatically die. uh, You wink at them. Oh, you wink at them, and then they dramatically die. Uh, And if they discover you first, then they win the game. Right. Um, But Jughead ends up winning. The crazy thing to me is nobody died during this game for real. Yes. That's the crazy thing. 
Yeah, you thought it was going to be. But I do think, to your point, this whole thing was about this uh, new, this writer testing Jughead because of something that his grandfather did. So it's setting up Jughead to see if he actually has what it takes to be a murderer. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think also the other thing that happens immediately after that seems a pretty clear indicator of where we're going, where the uh, the author dude uh, gives them the theme for the Baxter Brothers novel, which he says is the perfect murder. Yeah. And I think like we were talking about in the previous week with Mr. Chipping giving an assignment saying, I want you to figure out how to end this murder story. It does seem like they're just testing out different ways of killing people through stories. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and I think what we're seeing with Jughead is either him escaping everything or him potentially even proving that he can pull off the perfect murder with himself through this yeah. flash forward. Yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking like, oh, this is all Jughead's plan that he's proving he can do the perfect murder. But also I kind of feel like these preppy assholes are toying with their food a little bit being like oh look we'll make you the murderer even though we're gonna make you disappear later just like we did with your grandfather because we're all a bunch of snooty dickheads yeah i I think there's a lot of different possibilities there uh other things that go out in the storyline uh fp reveals a lot more about his father uh how his father left him how he was a terrible person jughead shoots back at him says why'd you take it give me his name and he's like i also had his name what are you talking about (laughs) Uh, you know and i i thought that was a nice bit of dialogue just about how our fathers are part of us Things we like, things we don't like, they're still with us no matter what. Um, And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Then ultimately, though, we do get this flash forward right at the end of the episode uh, where we get past spring break for the first time. Uh, Well, really for the first time. Uh, Everybody is in biology class and FP busts in and says, Archie, Veronica and Betty, you are under arrest for the cold blooded murder of my son, son, Jughead Jughead Jones. Jones. Yeah. And they all look kind of concerned about what's yeah. going on. But, that t- but yeah, Betty kind of had like this weird smile a little bit where she's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like it was they kind of a guilty. cool, there was yeah. a cool way of connecting, you know, what we've seen in pieces a little bit as far as like them kind of standing in their underwear, burning their clothes, you know, like, and that's kind of like maybe, uh, you know, uh, Jughead's dad found that kind of stuff and is how he's tying it all to them. But I do kind of really feel, especially after this episode, that Jughead is doing this as kind of a trial for his story and also to prove to the preppy assholes he can pull off a, per- per- uh, a perfect murder his own. I mean, that that's potentially what it is. Uh, I It's tough to tell with that last scene because... Riverdale is always very arch in its delivery, but certainly it looks very staged the way that they're putting it in there. Yeah. Which is also why, to me, it points to the fact that, yes, Jughead is not dead. They are setting it up in some way. 
whatever the purpose, I think we just don't have all the facts yet, whether it is him going to pop out and be like, and that's why I should get the Baxter Brothers novels, which I feel like would be the most positive way of doing it. Um, More likely, he's trying to get away from somebody at Stonewall Prep, or there's an actual murder, and he's trying to figure it out. Um, But I, I, I like this plot. I like how it's fitting together so far. Yeah, I also am a little worried. I hope it's not the thing that you see a lot where it's like, oh, these stories uh, are going to be how we arrest the murderer because actually all these books are true and they're just uh, all about like real murders that they kind of cover up with this whole like these books. That's how they got J.K. Rowling, though. I think I think the the Forsyth name is going to become uh, a, a big thing here. Jughead takes the name Forsyth at the end of this, and I think it's uh, the season's going to be about him establishing this uh, this person, his version of Forsyth Jones, and then the murder is the death of Forsyth Jones and the rebirth of Jughead in the end. Ooh, Ooh like Ooh. a phoenix, like an order of the phoenix. I like it. Yes, yeah. it's all Harry Potter. Yes, but all the, the time. That's the only books says, I've ever read. When he says, call me Forsyth, that dude had like a creepy smile and kind of looked over at the principal. And I was like, ooh, I don't like that look. Yeah, he's very interested in the Joneses. Before we wrap up here, I do want to get to some of the tweets that folks sent in. Uh, first one here this is from Austin Pierce. I want Charles to be gay. Now, this is... <laughs> This is something that Kevin speculated about a little bit right at the beginning of the episode. I saw some folks on Twitter being like, hey, he is much older than you, Kevin. Cut it out. We got The show's got to be stopped doing that. Uh, but what do you think? Do you want Charles to be gay, straight, don't care? What's your take? Uh, I want I want Kevin to have a uh, a love interest. Um, yeah, I don't think it's Charles. I think Charles is sort of the wrong person uh, in a lot of ways for this because I think he's going to end up being have some severe problems and maybe yeah, be a, he's a psychopath. Yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe I, I think he can be whatever he wants. I just don't think it should relate to Kevin. Yeah, I'm hoping Kevin can find somebody better. I also will be surprised if Charles and Hermosa don't connect in some way by the end, because it Mm. seems like a very classic straight up cop tied to the dirty woman, you know, the dark evil woman type thing. Yeah. Uh, So I I think we'll see that coming down the road. Uh, This is from Joella Alvarez. A theory of mine. We were introduced to the contest to being the next ghostwriter to win. You have to devise the perfect murder. Then we jump to the future that Betty, Archie and Veronica accused of the murder. I think this is part of Jughead's book that he's writing. They are either playing out the murder or what's leading up to the murder is becoming their life. Possibly the school kids who are taking uh, Jughead in the future. Um, I like the idea that Jughead's book that he's always been writing this entire time is some weird Baxter Brothers mystery. No. Mm. I like the idea that he's devising the perfect murder ends up being his murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. I like all of these ideas. I like every idea. Like, literally every idea I hear, I'm like, sounds good. Sarah... (laughs) Sarah without an H says, I love how FP tells Jug that he'll do it without the fancy name as if Forsyth Pendleton Jones the third isn't fancy. Uh, she also says the way FP said they were arrested for the cold blooded murder of my son, Jughead Jones just felt off. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's some there's something going on there. And again, we don't have the scenes that kind of fill it in, but we're getting there pretty quickly. I, I mean, I, we I, talked about it last week where it's like, oh, it just sort of feels like this whole thing is constructed, maybe even written by a child. Hmm. Uh, but I also like the way he says it because he's like, he's putting extra on it because if, uh, you know, if his son really did you know, dying, he believes that, then you would just kind of, instead of just saying, you're being arrested for, you know, killing my son, you would be like, the cold murder of my son! You know, I feel like he's just putting a little extra on it. Yeah, I I don't know. The cold-blooded was the thing that struck me as so stagey in that statement, like this uh, tweet here. Um, to me, like, he's known these kids for a very long time. I think if it was real, he'd feel conflicted. He'd come in, be like, you killed my son, you killed my sons, you son of bitches, or something like that, rather than being like, the cold-blooded murder of my son, oh, my youngest son, Jughead Jones, is how it struck me. Okay. Uh, this is from Dakota Cooter. Theory, Charles wasn't assigned only to the farm, but he was also assigned to investigate Betty and Alice and see if they are involved in the Black Hood murders. What do you think about that? That's a cool twist. The idea that Charles is actually a good FBI agent and not... Uh, I mean, that, that goes uh, to what I was saying about this episode, that he was he's testing and pushing Betty to see how far she'll go. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's a good FBI agent. <laughs> I do think he's a good FBI agent. No. Leonza Hunt says the connection between Jughead's writing and his death seems pretty clear. Do you think that Charles is involved at all or is his storyline completely separate? I think separate. He seems focused on the Coopers. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think as much as I would like everything to fit together in a neat puzzle all the time, I don't think we're going to get that this season. And do you think he's actually um, the son of FP and Alice, as he says? I do. And I do because this gets to our next thing, uh, which is uh, from... Wait, here we go. Uh, this is from Allison, who notes that she's on... Uh, hasn't seen the episode yet because she's on the West Coast. She says, can we get Chick back, please? And I don't oh. know if you guys... Watch the promo, oh. but next week, Chick, the true hero of Riverdale, is back in town. No uh, way. No. Like yes. a phoenix no. rising. The the show can find no. the season can finally begin next week. Oh can we please stop with that guy? I love this because it's Chick clearly in prison. Uh he it's clearly Betty. If you're Betty and you're gonna investigate what's going on with Charles. What are you going to do first? You're going to go to Chick. You're going to find out what was oh. up with that weird story you told me no. where you said you killed Charles. No. It makes sense. And Chick is going to step up to the plate and be like, you know what? I was a hero all along. Here's the no. truth. I'm going to help you, Betty. Oh. If Chick... Un- oh, I'm done if Chick ends up being the goddamn hero of fucking Chick's going to be like, I'm actually your son, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> Think about uh, that. Oh. <laughs> This is from no, uh, Chick's K- going to be like, I'm Caramel, the cat, <laughs> and I'm here to save your day. Cats yeah. have nine lives, and this one is my chick life. Oh, God. <laughs> chick life? Chick boys for life. Pete, exactly. I'm going to make you that shirt, and I'm going to make you wear it every day. No way, man. Punch you in the boys, face. Chick boys, what you going to do? 
Kimby73 says, so maybe what we're seeing in the future is Jughead reading his perfect murder story and he's not really dead. Also, did Betty and Charles get that murder gene from Alice or is it passed down from both parents, which means FP could have it as well? Uh, We talked about this earlier, but I think it's a little crazy if everybody has the serial killer gene. Yeah, everybody in Riverdale has the serial killer gene. It makes sense if they're all descended from the same person. Whoa. (laughs) Gross. Uh, this is from Giselle. I'm already starting to feel like Jughead is being brainwashed by the school. My evidence yes. is the decision to now be called Forsyth Pendleton Jones the Third, because who in their right mind would want to be addressed that way? Do you know who would want to be addressed that way? Is Jellybean, whose name is actually Forsythia Jones, which is worse. Get, get creative, Jones family. Shake up yeah. the name game. Come up with some other ideas. Uh, this last one, uh, there were a couple, a bunch of tweets we got, but just to sort of uh, wrap up for time, last one we'll do today. This is from Itch. Uh, did uh, I actually think it's uh, there's a B emoji of an Itch? You can figure out what the username is. Did Hiram's <laughs> daughter hear Shoni having sex at the speakeasy? Great question. I would say she's probably not been monitoring it that long. No, I think there's going to be a whole episode investigating that. Yeah, I think she just got into town for the trial, so... Well, let me throw out another thing that's tied to this. Something that doesn't come up this episode at all is those videotapes that we saw last episode of everybody's front doors. We now have Hermosa is taping people. We have Charles is checking up on people. Are they all connected in some way, or is it just a lot of surveillance going on? Sex, lies, and videotape. Well, with all the strange things going on in Riverdale, somebody should start recording that shit. Right. I agree. Maybe the tapes were just the cameramen who filmed Riverdale just leaving a (laughs) a gift. Probably. A season four gift. You guys have been doing a great job. Doing a great job this season. Yeah, maybe uh, Riverdale is just a Blair Witch Project. Do you know what would be a nice rap gift for season four is if the actors got six hours of videotape of their own front doors in real life? Oh, that's fun. Let's do that. Let's do that as a gift from us to them. It's fine. I already got it. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) If you would like to support our show. Oh, wait. Before we do the supporter show, we didn't choose an MVP. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most valuable player this episode. Justin, why don't you go first? Who won this episode? Uh, It's tough. So many fun characters. I think everyone really operated about the same level, except for um, obviously the chick coming back is a big win. Oh, I think no. just the shadow of chick is the most interesting part. <laughs> Come of on, episode. man. He's not even back yet. Stop that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Pete, who are you going to choose? I wasn't sure. But then she finally came to her senses and started investigating her creepy brother in quotes. Caramel the Betty, cat. All day. <laughs> Day. All right. Uh, very Caramel surprising. the cat. Meow day. Meow day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to choose Jughead this episode. Again, I really like the Stonewall prep storyline. I think the acting job that Cole Sprouse is doing is a lot of fun. He's getting to play a lot of different layers, uh, and it's just enjoyable. I think I I like the episode overall, but I really enjoyed what was happening there, and I'm intrigued and want to know more. 
Really now, if you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We will chat with you about Riverdale. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Riverdale Dark and at Comic Book Live. You can also follow us on Instagram, Instagram at Riverdale after Instagram, Instagram, uh, at Riverdale after also on Facebook at Riverdale after dark. Uh, we, uh, you, you can check out the live show comic book club for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you next time. After dark. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.